tell me a little bit about like what it was like for you, not only necessarily growing up, but just learning, developing, understanding, making mistakes, facing failures. And ultimately what I think you you laid a a beautiful track on is making choices. Talk to us about your journey. Yeah. If, if I back all the way up to, you know, growing up, you know, I'm the son of a soldier and a stay at home mom. And, you know, while we didn't have, everything we had a lot man i i don't have the struggle and strife story and the trauma that a lot of people have because my my upbringing was very very uh i'll call it sheltered my dad like my, my complaint is my dad jumped out of airplanes for extra 200 bucks a month so that he could help me get the cleats or we could go out to dinner Right. Like that's my complaint. My dad would stay at work late or go super early so that he could go make that extra money so we could do the thing. And the backside of that for me as an adult was seeing the arthritis that came from putting that type of stress on his body and seeing my hero, somebody who I thought was Superman, a guy who could jump out of an airplane, go to someone who was very uncomfortable moving from a sitting position to a standing position deciding not to sit down because it was going to be so painful to get back up whenever he decided that he wanted to move from that place. I played sports, you know, I played sports through, I played football through college, Um, had two full scholarships when I went to university. And it wasn't because I knew what I was doing. It was because my mom was there to pay attention to me and make sure that I submitted the applications and that I was doing the studies that I was supposed to be doing. Um, got the engineering degree, man. And, you know, I had a choice. Was it, do you go do your PhD or do you start working? And what I realized is, man, I, I wanted to make money. I, I wanted to start earning. And so I jumped into corporate and started on that progression that ended with kind of the end of the story that we gave the listeners in the beginning. But for me, like I learned so many lessons from sports. That's where outside of the example and the role model that I had in my father, that's where I learned about leadership and being somebody of character and integrity and knowing what is, what happens when you don't fulfill your commitments. And, you know, it's funny I say all of that. And now when I think about sports, I go to this place where I'm in the eighth grade and I promise a teammate of mine that we were going to go to a football game that Friday night, high school football game. We're getting ready to go to the high school. So it was a big deal to go to the high school football game on a Friday night. I didn't call that guy. And he got into some alcohol that evening and, he found a gun and they played Russian roulette that night and he lost. And so I get the phone call the next day that says, Hey, he's gone. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's gone. He's dead. Like he's not here anymore. And I have to live with the fact that I didn't make that phone call to let him know that we were leaving so that we could pick him up to take him to the game with us. And maybe just maybe, he'd still be walking this earth had I done my part and kept my word to a person who I appreciated because we went to school together from elementary school all the way through that point of life. Um, So, you know, I 
I carry that. I carry that burden, man. I, your word means everything. It, it really does. And right or wrong, people die, at least in my world, if you don't, if you don't keep your word. Yeah, it's powerful, man. And, you know, I, I actually resonate with that with that a ton. You know, my, as the Unbroken Nation audience knows, you know, my three childhood best friends were murdered. And no bullshit. <laughs> the only reason I'm here right now is because I said I, I didn't follow through on those promises to like show up or do the thing. And that's like this really odd strange juxtaposition of, of the world and the choices and decisions that we make. But as I've gotten older, you know, I think about the idea of, you know, what if I would have said yes? What if I would have been in that situation with them? Maybe I wouldn't be here. And, you know, it's those burdens. Like I try to think about them like, like bricks in a backpack. And if I can let them go, not that they don't carry weight, but if I can just sit them down and just like keep moving through life, you know, there, there's this tremendous weight that is relieved from us when you're in this journey. And, and I think you, you pointed to something that for me holds so incredibly true. That's so profound that I do not think people really understand is the power of keeping your word. You know, I, I had a moment in my life where I had to recognize that I could not negotiate with myself any longer because I was, I was not keeping my word. I was not being a man of character. And, and for me, that was both inspiring and like earth shattering at the same time. Cause it's like, oh shit, I don't know how to do this. And one of the things that I've, I've seen in my life now being a coach and being someone who speaks on stages and leadership and having teams and things like this is, you know, there's always that person that we see where it's like, man, if you just listen to this one thing that I'm telling you, everything about everything for you could be different. And so what I'm curious about in this moment is, Jerome, as you're with people, as you're teaching people about leadership, as you're coaching people and talking to these businesses, what is it that you think is kind of, for lack of a better term, the chasm? What is that gap that people must cross in order to step into what's next into their life? Being honest with themselves. So many people romanticize their current situation. They, they believe that their future is happening right now, even though they haven't done the things they need to do in order to have what they want. So many people believe that they're great just because they show up, but that's not true. Like you're not your best self right now. And if you don't have something that you want, it's because you haven't become the person that does the things to have that thing. And people get really upset when that starts to sink in because they know it's true. And if you've got this thing in your world that you desire and you won't tell anybody about it, it's because you're scared that they're going to say to you, well, how are you going to do that? You don't do the stuff that's necessary in order for you to have that. But the moment that you get bold and you're willing to say, hey, this is what I do, this is who I am, and this is what I want, and then your actions line up with that so that you're in coherence that's when life starts to change what i'm curious about is two parts one why do you think people struggle so much with money and two 
why do people struggle with the idea that they have to stay poor to create impact? Yeah, man, I love that. I think there's a couple of things. And and one of them I don't think is ta- talked about a lot. First of all, and I don't, you know, I don't know how helpful this is, but I'll just quickly talk to you about like what my relationship with money is very, very different. It's because I grew up with a lot of money that went through these hands. Like I told you, uh, my family's in retail. My dad was the first guy to bring the dollar store concept to Connecticut. So on the weekends or whatever, I was still a kid. I would be cashiering. I mean, like Christmas Eve, doing $20,000 in one day. It's like constantly. And, and back then, dude, people didn't really use credit card at all. Actually, funny enough, it's the opposite. Now everyone's got Apple Pay or whatever. But back then, it was all cash, cash, cash. So very rarely, you know, did someone use a credit card. Um, so I, I have, since I was a kid, I've always been transacting with money. You know what I mean? So I've always been very comfortable with it. Now, there's something interesting that I want to actually blog about or whatever. And it's uh, the, the headline is Pe- fellow people of color. Lend me your ear. Because what I've noticed about a lot of immigrants who or people of color, they have immigrated. They immigrated. <laughs> they're they're the previous generation, you know, migrated to America. For example, sake. I mean, we're in America, so I'll just talk about that for a second. They came to America to live a better life because wherever they came from, uh, my parents came, you know, were, were born in Africa, for example, sake. You know, wherever they came from, things were not going that well. They came, people come to America for better opportunity. So think about that for a second. The generally speaking, a lot of people come to America are coming because they're they're not in a great situation. They want to live a better life. So the kids are growing. So so those let's just call them parents for now. Those parents they had it hard in their old country, and they had to struggle and save. So they come to America and now they're very frugal, very frugal. By the way, this is my own kind of hypothesis. They're very, in my own observation, they're very frugal. Okay. And that because they're used to living in the old country was a struggle. And then that frugalness, that scarcity mindset transfers over to their kids. You see, I grew, I mean, like I grew up in America and I saw firsthand, you see, when my parents got here, they grew up, they were born in uh, in Africa, then they moved to England, then they came to England, they came here from England to New York in the 70s. When my dad came here with his brothers, it was winter, and it was a big Lincoln Town Car, one of my favorite cars. I should actually buy one, but it was snowing, and there was a Lincoln Town Car got stuck in the snow. And my dad and a couple of his brothers sat on the trunk to put weight on the trunk. And the dude got unstuck. The car came out. The guy came out of the car and said, you guys are awesome. And and he gave my dad and his brothers like a dollar each or whatever. And my dad said, they just got to America and said, man, you you can never starve in this country. And it's 100% right. You can't, you like, because that type of stuff doesn't happen in the old country. Like you got to understand something like, you have, with all due respect, I'm not trying to be funny or anything. I'm trying to be literal, but you have to be kind of mentally ill um, to not be able to generate uh, wealth in a first world country. Um, it, it, you cannot starve in a first world country. It's it's impossible. Again, you have to, it's just impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Um, in in my in 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 my observation, in my experience. Um, sorry, sorry. You cannot starve to death. 
like you can't like in other countries all over the world people die of starvation you can't do that here it's impossible there's too many places that give you food you go to any church any religious center any restaurant i mean anyway you know what to do any soup kitchen blah 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 but um uh, what i've experienced is that have you ever asked somebody for five dollars be like hey dude i need to borrow five dollars and that person man i wish you asked me five years ago i had five dollars five years ago but then i bought that cheeseburger and that was it, man. Never got any money after that. You understand what I'm saying? Money is constantly replenishing. It's just that I think a lot of people have a scarcity mindset. And I think they inherited a lot of that from their parents, in my observation. And I I just want to make it clear to people that, dude, like, I can literally write, I mean, <laughs> especially online, it's impossible. I mean, I just don't, I mean, it's, it's the greatest opportunity I've seen in my entire life. I mean, I, it's like I don't you, I don't know how you cannot make money on, online. It's just historically we are the first generation ever uh, to be online entrepreneurs. They're the first users ever to be online entrepreneurs. I mean, this is only the tip of the iceberg, um, and it's impossible not to crush it. And a lot of people, you know, then you have the problem of people saying, "Okay, awesome, awesome, I want in, I want in," but then they come into that lottery ticket mentality. They come into that lottery. They don't understand that it's a real business. You see business, the first business transaction ever was, I don't know, 77,000 years ago, something like that, where they were trading volcanic glass off the coast of Fiji. And then they got into marketplaces, tents, bazaars. Then the trains and ships were invented. They started doing business that way. Then they invented mail. Then they started doing business, mail order business. Then retail was invented and everyone started going to brick and mortar, you know, Walmarts and stuff like that. And now the new mode, so to speak, is the internet. And uh, it's crushing it. <laughs> it's, it's putting brick and mortar out of business. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's impossible not, not, not to make wealth off of it if you're dedicated to it and you treat it like what, what, it's, what it is. And that's an actual business, not, not a lottery ticket. So that's, that's some of my thoughts on money mindset. It, it is a, Kind of a pet peeve of mine. I feel so bad when I see because I'm like, damn. I, I I personally know some people. I'm like, yeah. And I look at their parents. I'm just like, yeah, dude. They just had their parents had it really rough, and they they always had this scarcity mindset. And they just transfer that over to their kids, and and uh, that that really saddens me when I see that. We'll be right back to today's show. But first, I need to ask you a question. Are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling like you don't have the support to go to the next level in your healing journey? Are you feeling like you wish you had a little bit more support from not only myself, but the Unbroken Nation? Well, my friend, I want to invite you to come and join our live weekly coaching sessions in Think Unbroken. All you have to do is go to keys, K-E-Y-S, keys.thinkunbroken.com to sign up and join us today with 100% money back, no questions asked, guaranteed and no contract or commitment every week for the next year. You can come and be a part of our live coaching sessions each Monday as we dive deep into not only answering your questions, but questions from the unbroken nation and help you take all of the information that you learn in the podcast, in the courses and other areas of this journey, bring them into your life and use it in a way that is practical, life-changing and transformative. So my friend, join us at keys.thinkunbroken.com and we will see you this Monday.
one of the things that I want to talk about, Brian, because I think this happens so frequently, is that people don't start these things because of fear of failure. And and what I'm wondering here is, you know, especially when coupled with, you know, from your own experience and having trauma and working through that and getting to this place in your life, you know, how, how does one really start to step in through the fear of this entire process in consideration of, you know, a lot of times we carry a lot of darkness with us. I have two trains of thought on that. The first is probably one of the biggest mindset conceptions that I had for a massive chunk of my life. And that was seeing failure as a bad thing and seeing failure as an end product. Failure isn't a bad thing. Failure is feedback. It's feedback on what's not working. It's feedback on where you need to make changes. It's feedback on what you are doing right now for some reason isn't in alignment with where you want to go. And you use that feedback to make changes to make your life better. If that's food related, training related, mindset related, trauma related, you use it as feedback. My biggest mistake with failure, and I also, a misconception I held, I'm not sure if you had this as well, Michael, was I would attach to the label failure and didn't realize that failure was a thing that happened. I put my self-worth and my attachment of self to failure so my language for that was i'm a fucking failure like you know if i did it did something that wasn't to my expectation i'm like I'm a fucking failure i did it again not realizing that failure is this external thing that happens based on the actions you've taken and it's not who you are and i had to disconnect and disassociate from those two things and realize that it's just failure is this thing that happens as a result of some of the actions that i've taken so once i was able to separate that which isn't applicable for everybody, but it was for me. Then it was about realizing that failure is actually really helpful. And as an entrepreneur, you know this. Failure is feedback. You can make changes based on failure. Every every failed relationship, every b- failed business adventure. Took, it took me three attempts to get my business off the ground. I made three attempts, Michael, before I eventually got it off the ground because I kept fucking up. I kept making stupid mistakes. Like, you know, one of the things I did, which was when I look back in hindsight, in 2012, I was working as a teacher, an elementary school teacher during the day and a personal trainer at nighttime. And when I tried to make that transition over to make a full-time living, as a personal trainer, I rented out a gym, I think 670 pounds at the time, on top of my rent. I didn't have a lot of money because you don't make a lot of money as an elementary school teacher in London. And I had no clients. I went and got a bad, um, branded kit. I went and got business cards. I had no fucking clients. Like not realizing that because I wanted to be a personal trainer, that for me was down to, you know, the ego issue of, of people being like, well, he's successful. He's a personal trainer. He did the thing he said he was going to do. And I just wanted to look the part. And as a result, I fucking got broke. Like I had to, the, the only time in my entire life, Michael, I know we've had different experiences. Again, first world problem on my side, that it was the only time in my life when my bank account was zero. You know, I broke college student, didn't have loads of money growing up, didn't have loads of money as a teacher, but I always had something in my account. But that was the time it went to zero. And I had to go down the back of my couch in London to look for pennies so that I could get the bus to go to the bank so I could take out a loan to pay my rent that month. And... That was failure, but now, 10 years later, that's feedback. I tell so many trainers that I work with and coaches that I work with, don't make that mistake. Don't pay those dumb taxes. Don't focus on shit that doesn't move your business forward. Focus on getting clients and helping people and things will grow that way. So that's one example of failure is feedback. And I think when you start to see it that way, you change your relationship with it. When you change your relationship with failure, it opens up a lot of doors that previously remained closed to you. And then when it comes to the darkness... 
I've kind of changed my opinion on this in recent years because I've always been a subscriber or had for a long period of time been a subscriber of the Jungian philosophy that, you know, your, your roots need to go down to hell if you want your branches to reach up to heaven. And I, you know, feeding that dark side, like it's not a coincidence that I was able to make myself sick with leg workouts before a bodybuilding show. It's not a coincidence that I was able to run six back-to-back -back marathons in the Sahara or run through the Arctic. In the Arctic, I tore my Achilles 86 kilometers from the end and I ran the last 86 kilometers. I use the term ran loosely. I moved to 86 kilometers on a torn Achilles. Like that's darkness driving that. You know, for me, that's all the fucking, the soul, the dark side of it that's driving that. But it can be useful. You know, for a large period of my life, it was helpful for me. It got me through those workouts. It got me through those races. It got me through times when times got tough. But I also don't want to fucking live in that day to day. I don't want to be walking around playing with my daughter and playing, you know, Elsa and Anna and playing Frozen and Dolls and be like having this fucking darkness over me. You know, I want to make sure that that's a tool that I have and a part of my personality I can check in with if I need it when times get tough. Because I quite like it. Don't get me wrong. It's like, you know, the Incredible Hulk. You know, it's quite, it's nice to have, because that darkness can fuel you. You know, you're, you're, you're thinking about the traumatic experiences as a kid. You're thinking about the people who bet the shit out of you. You're thinking about all the things that happened. And that shit fuels you. Like, that's fucking fire. But fire, like anything, can light up your house or it can burn the fucking thing down. So you need to be very mindful of how your relationship is with it. And that's how I look about the darkness. It's something that I want and probably don't want to let go of just yet because it's supportive. But I also don't want to, you know, steer in my car. I don't want it being in the front seat. It gets put back into the back until I need it or in, into the fucking boot or into the trunk until I need it. And then when times get tough, I can draw it and I can use it and it helps me. And again, I'm not sure how helpful that is for people, but it's something that's massively supported me and has been kind of one of my methods for dealing with some of my issues, some of my traumas, some of the things that have happened to me in a positive way. And so I said to myself, well, if he did it, why would I not ask for help? You have to understand something really important that asking for help can be the difference between success and failure in your life. Russ, what I'm leading to in this, talk to me about the power of the vulnerability, especially as a man, because I do have some men listening right now, of asking for help and the role that that's played in your life. Yeah, well, as men, we're, we're stubborn. That's why we, you know, we'll drive and get lost for three hours versus asking for direction. Um, but man, like you, your example is perfect. And that's crazy. Like I, I think of you as like Mr. 10X and I forget that you were just introduced to the community you know, back in February. So I, I, I remember that day we met, man. And like, like you said, some people you're supposed to meet for a reason. And I know you and I were meant to uh, meet for a reason, but it's crazy. Like you gave the, one of the simplest and one of the best pieces of advice, right? Is to ask for help, but then to take it one step further. So you at, who, do, who do you ask for help? Because you got to be careful, right? There's a lot of people, just everybody's a freaking coaching consultant and they want to tell you how to make more money, you know, get more leads, get in shape, you know, best relationship. Well, who are you getting your results from? Who are you getting your advice from, right? If I, if I want to know how to grow my business and create generational wealth, guess what? Grant Cardone is, is one of the guys that I'm going to because he has done all of that and continues to do that. So if you want, it's kind of like, saying, don't go to the dentist with rotten teeth. Don't go to the fitness guy. Those everything. They're out of shape. And so you knew you wanted to win that contest. And so it sounds natural. Of course, of course you're going to go ask the guy who won last year. Hey, you got any advice? You know how many other people wanted to win that contest? Probably everybody. You know how many people came to me and asked me for advice? I think I shared this too. You, 
and Dr. Greg Person. Guess who came in second place? Dr. Greg. And so that guys, simplest thing, if you you modeling, you want something, find someone who's already done what you want and ask their advice. And here's the last thing is you'll be surprised how much not only they're willing to help you, but they want to help you. And I don't know if you were surprised, like, dude, I could feel it in your, did you leave me a voice message or a, a text message? Yeah, initially I sent you a voice note. Okay, so that's why I felt it. I was gonna say I even felt it in your, in your, uh, in your um, writing. So that, that's, that's smart, voice or video, because communication is, uh, what, 93% tonality and uh, body language if you're in person. If you're not in person, it becomes almost virtually all tonality. So I, I could feel it, dude, like that you wanted this. And I knew as soon as Emma reached out to Emily too, she said, this guy's going to win. And then we made it like our personal mission. Like how many times did we communicate back and forth that day? We made it like our, we wanted you to win because we knew, number one, you you wanted it. You're asking for help. Like People want to help people who are hungry, um, excited, asking for help, want have a great obviously having a great mission and something to share the world like i wanted genuinely wanted to help you so much so man that could be the number one uh, there's a lot of success principles like the number one thing especially to get passionate you got enough desire you got enough hunger you're committed enough you'll figure it out but instead of just a brick wall to brick wall you know getting there bullheadedly over 15 or 20 years skip to the front of the line ask someone exactly what you want to do for help you'll be surprised how much not only they will be willing to help you, but will be happy to help you because it's rare. Like it's not, I haven't met a lot of people that are like, really want to be successful and actually willing to do what it takes to get there. So when somebody like you comes to me like that, man, it, it fires me up to where I, I want to, because I know that you're going to go out. It's just not just about you. Like think of all the people now that you've reached and the lives that you've changed uh, because you did, you know, get on that win that contest and begin get on stage. Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show, but I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for free. If you go to book.thinkunbroken.com, you can download the PDF ebook version of the book and get everything that I know about the baseline of healing trauma for free downloaded to your email right now. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to download your copy of Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for a PDF for your phone. Again, that is book.thinkunbroken.com. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends, and until next time, be unbroken.